0: The opinions expressed during this podcast are the individual's own and do not represent those of Wyndham City Council. Welcome to Recently Returned, Wyndham City Library's podcast on books and reading. My name is Sophie and I'll be your host for this special guest episode. Today we are joined by author and ageing advocate, Marcus Riley. Marcus's career in the field of ageing spans over two decades and has taken him around Australia and overseas. Marcus is chairman of the Global Ageing Network and member of the Governing Committee of the Global Alliance for the Rights of Older Persons. Marcus is also the CEO of Balikara, a charitable organisation which provides accommodation, health and care services for older Australians. Booming, A Life-Changing Philosophy for Ageing Well, is his first book. Welcome, Marcus.
1: Hi, Sophie. Thanks so much for having me, and hello to listeners.
0: Yeah, we're, we're so happy to have you, especially in this, this odd time. And I'm glad that we found an alternate to um, having you in, in the Plaza Library. So thanks again. My pleasure. Um, so let's jump in. Um, what prompted you to write this book?
1: Uh, There's a couple of clear reasons to me why I thought this book was necessary. Uh, The first is with this increased longevity that most of us are going to have, I feel it's a great opportunity individually to really embrace this longevity and pursue it in terms of what we want uh, it to be for ourselves, uh, what we envisage for our own successful ageing journey. And the second reason was I believe we have a collective responsibility as a society to reframe the way that ageing is viewed and um, address these negative stereotypes, this ageism that just permeates across our society when it comes to older people, when it comes to ageing. So those those are the main, main drivers. And um, it was probably about four years ago now where I was reflecting on... Um, the ageing industry, my, my career to date, and I was looking back at what had been you know, a couple of decades at that point and was recognising the uh, things I'd learnt from people, the things I'd observed, and well, what do I do with this knowledge and, and uh, the lessons that I've taken from other people and how best can I share that? And so it all kind of came together um, at that point of reflection and, and the, the plan to put a book together was born.
0: Mm, Fantastic. Yeah. And I I feel like there are lots of nice nuggets of information throughout the book. A lot of it is based on your observations and your experience um, in um, aged care and and across the sector. So um, it's it's really great to hear. And you point out um, that we are now spending uh, so much of our adult lives um, as older adults. and, I, and when when I read that, I thought, oh, you know, I've never really thought of that before, that I'm going to be spending, you know, probably the same amount or, or perhaps more of my adult life being an elder in the community. So, you know, it was food for thought. Um, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: It's, it, the reality is that we'll have more of our adult life to live after our 50th birthday mm-hmm. than before it. And mm-hmm. if we contemplate all the things that we've experienced and achieved and, and done, Um, up until that 50th birthday. It's careers, marriages, families, um, adventures and different experiences. Uh, And we then look forward in terms of that that 50th milestone onwards. It it really, I think, clarifies that we do have a choice. How do we want to, um, what do we want our life to be like for these ensuing decades? And that choice is really ours to make. And it's either one we can embrace and, and really grab hold of, or effectively, you know, sort of wither away and succumb to to the negative stereotyping that surrounds later life.
0: Mm, yeah, for sure. And that that's something that um, you really explore a lot. But we'll um, we'll we'll delve into that uh, later on. Uh, I guess sure. my the, my first question. Um, that I want to put to you is um, you booming talks about the challenges older people face in their personal lives. So might be you know their health and relationships, uh, but it also deals with the challenges they face in their public lives, which you you touched on um, just before. You know the negative stereotypes around aging. Um, can you talk through some of the difficulties elders face in the workplace and in everyday life?
1: Yes, absolutely, Sophie. And really, those challenges, those issues are underpinned by ageism, Mm -hmm. and that then takes form in in different ways. It it can be the discrimination that people experience, the stereotyping we just touched on before. Um, And the way that plays out is the behaviour by people, whether it be an employer, whether it be um, a co-worker, somebody you associate with in the community, even within family, Uh, and that impact is then on the individual as to, how they view themselves, they um, you know, potentially feeling of less value, feeling excluded, and it's – the ageism is often so casual and, and what you might say cultural that we don't recognise when it's happening. And in the workplace, that can be just the, the gradual exclusion of somebody, whether it's excluding from conversations or invitations to participate in outside work activities or the assumptions that are made about what capacities people have in the workplace, Um, as well as in other community settings and, and as I said, in in family settings too. It's those what we um, might feel are quite casual or innocent conversations are actually can be quite harmful. And again, it's that progressive exclusion of people or the uh, stereotyping that somebody, because they're of a certain age, will no longer be able to participate like other people or like they have previously and again that that manifests in in different behaviors and, and um, in different ways in, in different different settings with the workplace um, there was some pretty alarming statistics that came out of various um, pieces of research in the last 12 months or so which really pointed to the reluctance that employers uh, said they have in regards to engaging older people and and when we're talking about older people this is people just 50 years plus, so, you know, it was pretty alarming to see that sort of uh, concession from, from employers, and this highlights how difficult people find it to either re-enter the workforce at a later age or, in some instances, to retain that employment. Um, so, certainly, the the challenges are very real, and they impact on people differently, but those impacts are certainly very negative and, and have... Have a, an impact at different levels. Certainly on that personal, that personal level, um, but also in regards to people's, you know, potentially their finances and their ability to continue to work, um, and then the lifestyle that is impacted on, on through that. So the consequences are, are quite significant.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, because you know that that's your livelihood, and we're expected to, you know, be financially independent for longer because you know we're living long for longer. And if if an employer is not offering an older person the opportunity to remain in the workforce and to have an income, then yeah, as you say, it has serious repercussions. Um, And yeah, uh, what you mentioned before about making assumptions about what older people would like to participate in in you know their family and their work life, Um, yeah, how people are uh, inadvertently Uh, excluding them um, based on an assumption that, oh, they're probably not going to want to come to the for drinks after work, or they're not going to want to come to me with this, come with me to this concert or or things like that. So I think um, it's that's a really nice piece of uh, awareness that you've built in there. Um, And the other message that I get throughout uh, booming is that you're really keen to to educate people, I guess, or, or to bring that awareness into their everyday life?
1: Absolutely, because it is so so cultural, so casual, and, and again, it, it can be, um, you can look at it either in terms of innocence or ignorance, but it happens irrespective. And mm. it, as you just alluded to, it is that, oh, well, Dad don't want to do this because, you know, there's too many stairs, or it could be somebody at work that you assume can't do something because it involves a different form of technology, or you know, these assumptions are made all the time, and uh, you know, often in the more public sphere, we see commentary about you know certain leaders need to step down because they've you know got to a certain age, or um, mm. people in, in public roles need to be um, stepping aside because you know they're they're um of a of an older age now. So it just it just happens everywhere and, and so often. So my argument about ageism is that it's the last form of acceptable prejudice Mm -hmm. and in past years we've seen and rightly seen other forms of prejudice called out things like sexism racism homophobia Mm -hmm. and I don't suggest they've all been solved but they have been called out whereas ageism hasn't been called out yet and we're starting to see some commentary or some emergence of the issue um, in more recent times but but really, at a societal level and and certainly at um, you know a, a leadership level from in terms of policy and what have you, it hasn't been addressed yet. And given the realities of our ageing population and what we not just what we should do for that ageing population, but what we need from it, i e the workplace, um, we need to be addressing this this cultural ageism and and in a different form of discrimination, et cetera, which flow on from there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, we, Yeah, we, we definitely need some things in place. I remember reading something um, that was implemented in the Netherlands. I'm, I have a feeling that it was a successful program, I, I skimmed over it, but it was about pairing um, students up with elderly people in, in living accommodations. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you know anything about that, but it was quite a successful program. It, it helped to um, break down those um, generational barriers, I guess, and it was um, beneficial for uh, economically for both the young person and the older person. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. And, and you mentioned in booming that um, the British government have they have the Department of Loneliness? Is that what it's called? Or
1: they, they appointed a Minister for Loneliness minister, two years ago right. for the, yeah, for the yeah. first time, and which was good to see the recognition of the risk of isolation, the, the impact on people's health and well-being through that isolation and, and loneliness. So that, that was an important step. Um, mm-hmm. The the models you talked about um, regarding the integrated accommodation for students and, and older people, there have been a, a couple of examples of, of those um Integrated communities now, and, and in some instances, where um, if it may be more of a supported environment for the older person and the student or younger person, um, their their rent is offset by um, performing some some duties in the uh, in the care environment. Mm-hmm. Um, others, it's more of a sort of codependent um, arrangement. So there's certainly it's really important to explore those sort of um, approaches and, and different models, and um, my, I guess, experience in, in looking at or being involved with things um, internationally is is that no one place, no one country or region has got the perfect blueprint or, or all the answers, mm. but there are good things happening in, in all different places, so we need to be um, really learning from each other, really sharing those sorts of uh, concepts and ideas and innovations that that are providing a positive um, Impact and allowing people to have more choice about their options in, in regards to either where they live or how they engage, how they're mm-hmm. supported. Um, and I think the more we can be flexible and open in that regard, the more choices people are going to have. And and that's appropriate because um, not everybody wants the same thing, of course. So we need these different options, different opportunities for people to um, to consider.
0: Yeah, for sure. Just touching back on on that intergenerational interaction. Um, You mentioned in in Booming that automation has had an impact on jobs that older people have held. Um, And it's also true that automation has replaced a lot of entry-level positions that younger people traditionally take up. So then how do we balance um, the needs of the emerging workforce with people that are are looking towards retiring?
1: Sure. So I think it starts with recognising and embracing the opportunity to engage the older workforce Mm -hmm. Um, and that requires employers to be flexible and and to be open-minded if we think about uh, in certainly some um, workplace environments there's there's good flexibility for uh, parents say for maternity leave or other um, other types of flexible leave at different times of your career whereas we haven't seen that flexibility at the later end of the career, uh, of someone's career. So, if we can have a similar approach to, or similar openness um, for the older workers, then it just opens up this great potential to harness the skills, the experience, the knowledge of the more experienced workers. Um, and then the other side of the coin there is individuals being open and willing to update their skills and to be um, willing to to uh, adapt to different roles and, and perform different duties to perhaps what they have done previously. And the key there is really that early early dialogue between um, employer and, and employee and looking at, at planning as early as possible because the earlier those conversations are had, the better um, plans can be put in place or conversely, if you're the older person, you re- you know early on that this employer is not going to come to the party at all so start looking at other options as early as you possibly can in regards to the connection between the different generations in in the workplace again it's if we can foster this mutual understanding as to the benefits that each can derive from the other and that the again the ability to tap into someone who's got the knowledge and experience and and has been through um, circumstances that the younger worker may not have endured yet um, that's invaluable and and again the other side of the coin there is that um, that the younger person will bring some different thinking some um, different skills which which can be shared and and um, be of benefit to to their older colleagues. so again it's just that promoting that um, shared understanding and ideally having a, an employer or a workplace that's fostering that sort of exchange and, and seeing the benefit of that mentoring-type role. I think we see mentoring often um, uh, recognised and, and tapped into at very elite levels, whether it's um, you know, executive-type levels and in sporting you know, high-performance sporting circles and the like. We often hear um, the talk about engaging mentors and, and the value of tapping into a mentor. That can be happening at all levels of the workplace, and should be. And we've got people who are, um, have got the knowledge and, and the wisdom, and and can um, can be sharing that. And for for organisations, companies, businesses to understand the value that uh, their older workforce does have, and to see that walk out the door without having tried to um, look at different roles for that individual is is just costing your own business um, and and denying your own organisation the benefit of having someone with the knowledge and experience it could be part of the professional development of of your younger workforce.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, mentoring is a, is one of the easiest things, I mean, not easiest things, it's not an easy to be a good mentor, but um, yeah, that's a, it's a nice way to build a relationship and and to pass on that knowledge. and you know, putting in structures uh, that are similar to maternity, maternity leave and paternity leave um, certainly sound like, you know, great ways forward, um, I, I guess that kind of infrastructure could in a way be led uh, by government um, and, and in Booming you talk about the need for governments to implement infrastructures that support the aging community. Um, what could that look like besides those sorts of changes in the workplace?
1: Well, certainly governments can be doing a, a lot in, as far as um, policies and, and systems which are um, more conducive to higher levels of engagement of, of older members of our community, and be they uh, people in, in workplaces and, and looking at um, those industrial Uh, systems that that can be better accommodating for uh, older workers and, 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 you know, I guess influencing the approach from employers. Uh, In regards to supporting ageing communities, I think it's really uh, essential that we understand infrastructure and um, initiatives that are good for older people are good for all people. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, things like improved access um, better transport systems um, more you know, decentralized location of services all, all these sorts of things uh, are good for everyone good for people of, of all ages so uh, that's that's point one I think for our authorities to to appreciate and mm-hmm. um, and then use that as a as a um, basis if you like to to get buy into certain initiatives and, and I think there's a good opportunity uh, so for later this year with the World Health Organization launches their decade of healthy aging so 2020 to 2030 um, will be this decade of, of healthy aging and I think if there's an engagement with this um, uh, approach from the WHO there can be positive impact at different levels. I think from a, um, a government and policy level uh, there can be there will be good um, resources, good strategies to, to tap into and, and to be aligning to. I think at a community level we'll see uh, hopefully a greater awareness about um, the need for healthy ageing, the opportunities for healthy ageing, the things that we can be doing at that community level, and then also at a, an industry level um, with sectors like uh, aged care, but also in healthcare, um, even in education, that. We can be better incorporating and inculcating um, the thinking that supports healthy ageing, and of course, healthy ageing is not just about um, you know a very old person. It's 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 you know something that's relevant for for all ages. Um, mm. So I think there are opportunities for us that that are coming, um, and if we can be more aware of both the need and the opportunity, then um, we can make some good things happen.
0: Yeah, for sure, and it sounds sounds great, sounds interesting, and. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in that, in that space. Um, you know, another thing that you wrote in the book that struck me is that, um, that we're like, people are, are basically rejecting their future selves with, uh, you know, with their attitudes towards aging. Um, and I think you're you 100% right when you say these infrastructural changes. Um, Ultimately, benefit all of us at any age, but also especially when we all get older. So, really, it's it's in our own interest um, to to support this stuff as it comes through. Um, yeah, sorry, were you going to say something?
1: No, well, just it, it is it, it's the it's the perfect irony, and it's yeah. the it's the one form of prejudice where this is the case that when you are being ageist, and you are being discriminatory towards older people. You'll be one of those people one day, yeah. you know, whereas racism sexism et cetera that's that's not the case, um mm. but atheism it is and and you are rejecting your future self, and um it's crazy to think that people have not got that recognition of of that reality, um, yeah, just, I
0: guess you know people just don't think of it, I certainly didn't think of it until I read it, so um. No, it was it was it was good, as enlightening to think. Oh, okay, well, it's true. I am I am kind of being blind to what's coming. So, um, yeah. yeah, everyone has a vested interest, I guess. So even if their um, motivation for supporting this stuff is m- maybe not altruistic, it could be a bit more selfish. Um, it's still a, a motivator, I guess.
1: <laughs> Whatever gets you doing the right thing. That's so I think right. That's
0: right. <laughs> 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 um, all right, so let's, because um, we've talked about the external forces, I guess, that um, affect the older community, but perhaps we should um, maybe touch on some of the personal challenges that you cover in the book.
1: Sure. Um,
0: yeah, so you you talk about, well, you encourage people to learn more about the process of aging and reflect on what impact that will have on their lives. Um, and you give practical advice about um, you know developing and maintaining their health um, can you talk a little bit about the points you raise on physical health
1: absolutely I, the the starting point to look at our physical health is understanding that there are actually three forms of age yeah. and the first of those is chronological age and that's obviously our number of days or years lived um, we have no control over that um, the other two forms of age, though, we do have the ability to influence and, and have a degree of control over. The first of those is our biological age, so uh, that's how our body uh, is feeling, how we are physically, and, if, and the next one is our psychological age, which we might come to after. But So it's it's realising that we don't have to accept certain inevit- c- certain things we might think are inevitable. Yes, there are some realities about ageing that are inevitable, but in terms of our physical health, our physical well-being, we can have a really strong influence over how our body feels through later life. And uh, there's things we can do in a preventative sense and there are things that we can do in a restorative sense as well. So, um, in highlighting that, I mean it's never too early or too late to start. So, I might be, a very, I might be you know, well into my 90s perhaps and, and have certain physical limitations. That's not too late to start. Doing some things that I can do to, to support my physical health, and mm-hmm. and um, obviously it's never too early. So if I'm a young independent um, or younger independent senior uh, and of good health, well, let's do things to prevent um, the onset of, of uh, things that might be more negative and and maintain our our, our physical well being. So I think it's embracing that preventative and restorative um, those concepts and. Uh, Obviously, when it comes to our body, there's uh, the nutritional side of things and the importance of um, eating well, eating appropriately, uh, maintaining um, a good balance in in what we put into our body and and the things that are important in that regard. And then uh, sleep, obviously, is something which we've become more aware of um, in in the last few years, given various forms of research and the like. Uh, And then The other key ingredient is is exercise, and we can all do some form of exercise. And again, we might have particular uh, incapacities or or limitations that doesn't prevent us from doing any exercise at all. There is always something we can do, and that part of that exercise should include some resistance or or strength um, activities. Again, they might be very minimal, but they are important for others who, um, perhaps have been doing that for longer. Obviously, it might be um, at a higher level in terms of um, the types of exercises and, and um, resistance they're doing. But, but the point is that um, uh, supporting your retention of your muscle or growing your muscle, um, your strength so that you know, your body is supported and, and that your mobility is supported, it's um, really important. And obviously, the other one is, in relation to mobility, is, is that those exercises, that, you know, walking or running or participating in activities that you enjoy Um, and that's something we should be doing every day even if it's a little every day it's important Mm -hmm. for that consistency Um, and there are great opportunities for us to tap into um, advice and support to to start doing um, exercise in in an effective way if we've never really done it much before we don't have to go to you know a gym and, and feel uncomfortable in those sort of environments there are lots of other ways we can tap into advice and information and, and programs that support our engagement with exercise and, and, um, and training. Uh, and similarly with um, uh, understanding our, uh, our physical health, it's, it's getting um, good advice, good assessment about that. So we've got an understanding as to where our body is at and um, understanding what some of the realities might be or, or some of the challenges in terms of our capacity might be in working Around those, um, I think at times we make assumptions about um, about our body, and uh, really there's and, and accept some things that we we think have failed or have stopped. Whereas often there's there's some really um, simple ways of improving our physical capacity, so that we can then be maintaining our physical health um, you know, into late life.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think the the message that you give is really valuable um, throughout the book. And in that it's about understanding where you're at, um, being really honest with, you know, your self assessment, and and maybe the assessment of your, your doctor or your health practitioner. um, And yeah, picking things that will not only suit your capabilities, but also interest you. Um, I think you talk a lot about joining clubs you know if there's a sport that you enjoy or even just going for a walk with a friend um and yeah i think that's a really nice approach it sort of takes the pressure off i guess or or you know gives people perhaps some courage to take some small steps and start where you can
1: that's right and it has this multi-fold um benefit where you're getting uh you're doing things that are right for your body and conducive to, to better health plus you're getting the socialization the, the connection with other people and um, you know either maintaining relationships and, and having those conversations when you're going for a walk with with your friend or you're forming new relationships through um, participating in, in different activities um, be it a sporting club or a community organization or you know, part of a, um, a jogging group or a, um, a bowls club or whatever the activity might be. So mm. there's, there's so many benefits, benefits. and important, mm. important benefits for us by engaging in those sorts of activities.
0: Um, yeah.
1: It's, it's just so important.
0: Yeah, and, and friendships, um, so maintaining and cultivating and, and re-engaging friendships is something that you uh, also touch on in the book um, and kind of forms part of the conversation about mental health. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit more about that and approaches to mental health that you have observed that work well?
1: Yes, yeah, certainly um, th- that comes to that third form of age, so our psychological age, which is all about our mental and emotional well-being. And, and like we just discussed with our physical health, we've been learning more and more in, in past years just about how much we can do to support our emotional and and Uh, mental well-being and that we can be doing things in a preventative sense as well as addressing um, you know any concerns or issues that that we might have developed so it starts once again with that that appreciation of we do have the opportunity to influence and um, and manage our our mental health so certainly from a you know preventative and proactive sense it's it's really committing to uh, developing and maintaining a a positive outlook Um, now again that's not about you know, skipping down the street with a, a gleeful smile on your face it's about mm. a daily approach and it doesn't mean we won't have down times and hard times but it's it's about being open to um, opportunities it's about having a self-belief and a self-confidence um, in ourselves and it's it will develop the ability for us to then overcome setbacks because we know we're going to have setbacks in our life whether it's mm-hmm. our own um, health circumstances or loss of loved ones or whatever it might be, challenges in the workplace like we spoke about before, could be any manner of thing, so we're going to have these setbacks and a positive mindset is really the secret to us overcoming those sort of setbacks and um, and allowing ourselves to to contemplate the future with confidence and, and hopefully excitement. Um, it's being open to, to new ways of, of doing things and um, it's about uh, prioritising the things that are important to us because they're the things that do give us enjoyment that give us um, help us maintain that sense of purpose and and stay engaged so so many things flow on from um you know being being positive and uh having that that belief in ourselves to to be able to do certain things um Mm -hmm. and i think an important um step in in achieving that and, and maintaining our um, you know, emotional well-being and, and good mental health is uh, developing a deeper knowledge or deeper self-knowledge. So we just spoke about that in relation to our physical health and it just applies so much in regards to our mental health that we really need to invest time in developing that knowledge of, of who we are and that's best done by uh, investing time reflecting. So thinking about what we have done in our life, you know, understanding who we are, what's been important to us, what have been the relationships that have been important to us and still are or might be into the future, um, identifying what, what are my passions, what are the things I really want to be connecting with, what are the priorities for me, what are the relationships that are important, what are the activities or engagements that are important to me, what are my, um, again, interests and, and passions that I want to be ensuring I'm giving time to, because all those things, Really come together to help us feel more positive, to help us feel well from a mental side of things, an emotional side of things, and and also equip us to be connecting and, and engaging with with others and uh, having those relationships, you know, friendships, etc. So, I think there are some things we can definitely do ourselves to support our our good mental health, to support our emotional wellbeing.
0: Yeah, for sure, and one thing that i took out um of booming was that it's really a a choice like you're you're choosing your attitude um so as you say you know there there will be times when things are tough and of course you know you can have you you'll have the moments of sadness and maybe you can indulge in you know a bit of um self-pity but don't do it for too long sort of that, that's that's the message that i got but um yeah it's really about being proactive and and making good choices about um your approach to your life and and really knowing yourself and and what's important to you and how you want to spend your time um, which i think is valuable advice for any person at any age
1: it is and and what you're alluding to there as well is, is planning and mm-hmm. you know planning is just so important so it, it helps us retain control control mm-hmm. over how we're spending our time um, how we want to set ourselves up for different things into the future and obviously plans can be really short term about the the day ahead as well as where we want to be in five years or ten years time or what have you mm-hmm. um but that that planning can really um you know help drive uh, or help ensure that our time is being spent on the things that are important to us. And, you know, we are committing or, or devoting time to um, our passions, to our relationships that really count, um, so that we are, um, well, A, we're allocating and, and ensuring time to those things, but B, we are thinking about our future. Again, whether that that is in the very short, immediate future or, or whether it's the longer term future, it's really important we are, Future thinking, um, because yeah. that will help drive our enthusiasm and our energy, and um, and uh, the ability for us to pursue the things that are important to us.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and planning is certainly great, um, and and something it's a valuable exercise for all. Um, how do you? How do you, or what do you um, recommend? That people can do when the unexpected happens, something, for example, like COVID, um, that puts us into social isolation. And, you know, I imagine that that has a, you know, a negative effect, um, particularly on the older community. So, do you have any advice on how um, elders can combat um, social isolation at this time?
1: Yes, Sophia, I I think this COVID 19 circumstance has been, has really shone a light on issues affecting older people and be they sort of frailer older people who might be in a care environment but as well as um, seniors who've really been told to to stay home and and people have been told to stay away from their older family members so it's Mm. it's really shone a light on these sorts of issues and to me i think the the approach is (coughs) excuse me the same to to aging um generally that it's about being positive it's about planning and it's about maintaining your purpose. And in identifying those those key elements, um, we do need to understand and recognise the risks. So, what should I shouldn't be doing? Um, because the risks are real. Uh, mm. So, there's no point being ignorant to those or, or being dismissive of those. Um, the, the advice that had, has been given previously is has been given for very good reason, and we only have to look to what this happened so tragically overseas in, in many places mm-hmm. where there's been such a high death rate. Um, so it's recognising the risks and then um, being open to new ways of doing things because it's really important we, we stay connected you know, with family and friends and, um, and you know, our areas of interest. So how can we best do that? Is it um, you know, embracing some different forms of technology? Is it um, you know, spending more time talking with our neighbour over the fence or you know, contacting people on the phone? Um, you know, how, how can we still stay connected with, with people and, and stay engaged? Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's important to not get too sucked into the media and, and opinions of other people um, yeah. because what I've observed over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of, there's been some really negative impact on people who've been hearing um, inaccurate uh, opinions from people as well as inaccurate or misleading coverage in the media, and that really creates unnecessary concern and, and angst for people. So we really need to make sure we're tapping into factual information, you know, using yeah. the government authorities, their, their platforms, and, and getting the information directly for ourselves so that we know um, what the picture is and we're not getting misleading advice from others who actually aren't factual.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So that that is crucial. Uh, and then again, it, it's it's really looking at, um, planning our time, because I think the days can drift on pretty quickly if, if we let them. So, mm. again, it's grabbing hold of that time and what do we want to get out of our days? How do we, do we want to construct them? Not saying we should have every minute itemised and planned, but, mm. um, you know, having some, some schedules in place, having plans in place so that we are um, considering how we are spending our time and what we are getting out of uh, different activities that we are planning for, for each day um and how are they how are those activities um helping me stay positive how are they helping me stay connected and am i being open to doing things a bit differently given the current circumstances given the 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 risks that are quite real
0: yeah i think that's definitely you know good advice having a bit of a structure in place you know maybe i want to finish that craft activity or maybe i want to go for a walk or i'm going to call my kids or my grandchildren um, are all really valuable things. I think I was speaking with my mum. She's um, retirement age, and you know she's inundated with phone calls. She feels super popular, which she's having <laughs> people call her all the time. So I'm like, well, that's yep. that's really nice, you know. It's uh, um, it breaks up the the tedium a little bit. So I think even though it's it's a, a negative experience for everyone, there are opportunities. Um, for us to turn it around. So valuable advice. Thank you, Marcus.
1: that's um, no, my pleasure.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's what we've got time for uh, for today. Um, it's been a real pleasure having you as a guest, Marcus. Thanks again for joining us. That time has um,
1: flown by. Sophie, I've really enjoyed having a chat and um, uh, really appreciate you organising this opportunity for us to talk and, and engage with your audience because um, it's a shame we couldn't be together in person, but mm. this is the next, the next best thing, and, and hopefully we can um, be together in one room at some stage in the future.
0: Yes, for sure. We'd love to invite you once we're all reopened. Um, so, if you'd like to read Booming, it is available in the library's e-collection via BorrowBox. Just use your Wyndham City Library's barcode and PIN to log in and download. If you'd like to support Wyndham's local bookstores during COVID, you can also find Booming at Whereby and Robinsons at the Pacific Whereby Shopping Centre. The library will be offering online programs while social distancing measures are in place, so keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram and website for news on upcoming events. Stay safe and see you when we reopen.